This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to My Favorite Murder. My name is Danielle Henderson. I am the guest host this week. I am also the co-host of the I Saw What You Did podcast here on the Exactly Right Network. And I am so excited to bring you some stories today. Um, I've been friends with Karen for a while, and um, I'm, I'm a fan <laughs> a fan of this podcast and a fan of this work in general. Uh, George is a new friend, but I just really, I wanted to pick some some stories that kind of give a feel for not just what the show is, but also what their personalities are, because I think their personalities is what brings most of us to to the show. I originally wanted to pick the Mary Vincent story. Because when I first heard that story, I texted Karen like eight times throughout and was just like, I cannot believe this. What? Oh, my God. I cannot believe this. What? <laughs> like, I, it really it is the pinnacle of stories to me. One of the most harrowing stories I've ever heard. Um, but luckily, there are several of those <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in the, the catalog of my favorite murder. Uh, so let's get to it. So I picked for Georgia's story, Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm from episode 10. Uh, it's an early episode, which I think is always fun to revisit. And I love this story because it kind of has, it has such a distinct mystery element to it. And it really has a, a questioning element to this story that leaves you wondering what actually happened. Um, I love the way Georgia tells the story. It's just so full of humor. Um, and I think that that's, that's also part of the reason why I chose this story is that you really get to see the back and forth between Karen and Georgia in the, the early iteration of the show. Uh, and their personalities are just on full display. So without further ado, here's Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm. Okay, you're gonna go first this week. We, yeah, I'll go first this week. So we're ready for our favorite murder. Are you ready? All right. So this week we're doing. I picked it. I picked a topic and then I hated it. <laughs> um. So I made. I said, Karen, what's your dream topic? Do you remember what the topic was before? It was vintage unsolved. Oh, right. And then I got really angry and was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And I said, Karen, have you picked yours yet? And you said, No. And I said, no, What's of your dream not. topic? And then I just didn't answer you because I was like, MYOB. Is that <laughs> mind your opus? <laughs> no. No, not at all. You said uh you said weird murders. Yes. Which like basically is we've done so many already. I mean, we've also done like kids killing kids. We've done so many things that like we're the category idea. Yeah. We're just, just trying to, to organize us. our thoughts. Totally. It's try it's it's try to help us like uh go down a path that's not an infinite path. Yes. 
Okay. Huh? So, but also like what murder isn't weird. Ultimately, oh, totally. It's kind yeah. of an aberration just in it. But you know, um, well, I, I thought there was a couple that I wanted to do. And I also don't want to do one that everyone, like there's something about the, like, maybe it's just the podcast, the Facebook, Facebook group that like everyone in that fucking group knows every murder. Yes. Like they know everything, which is like so fun, but I don't want to disappoint them. Yes. Same. You know what I mean? So, so I picked one. I was going to do the Tom and Shude case. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's an unsolved case of an unidentified man found dead in 1948 in Australia and in his po- he walked up on the beach and in his pocket was a piece of paper with the phrase Tom and Shud, which means meaning ended or finished in Persian printed on a little scrap of paper. And they don't know who he is, where he came from, what his deal is. It's fucking it's a fascinating case if you don't know it, which you probably everyone probably knows it. And so, it's still unsolved, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so is this one, the one that I picked as my favorite weird murder uh, called Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm? Is that yours? I no no no, but I just listened to I just listened to a different podcast yes. about this. It's great. It's also called The Hagleywoods Mystery sometimes. This is a good one. So in April 1943, which is obviously in the middle of World War II, four boys from Stourbridge uh in the UK were poaching when they came Can ac- you say that one more time? Stourbridge <laughs> UK. Uh, they were poaching. They came across a large witch elm. It's spelled W-I-T-C-H or W-Y-C-H in different, different postings. I can't really tell. I think it's W-I-T-C-H. Um, and the, uh, they found a witch elm on an estate belonging to a lord. They thought it was a good place to hunt birds' nests. And so they tried to climb into the tree to investigate and they found a skull. Mm. And they thought it was an animal. And then they saw human teeth and hair attached to this Mm-mm. and they had found a human skull so they they went they were like here's a great idea let's not tell anyone because we'll get in trouble <laughs> for being on the lord's land like boys. you guys boys if you ever find something say something or you look fucking suspicious your parents won't be mad at you for being on someone's land if you find a, a yeah a skull everyone knows lords are dicks <laughs> look we've all dealt with asshole lords before We've all trespassed on land that belongs to lords. And if you find a body, you should tell someone. So the youngest kid that was like, of course, it's the youngest kid. He's like, I'm scared, mommy. 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 Uh, And he told his parents and the the police checked the trunk of the tree. They found an almost complete human skeleton, a shoe, a gold wedding ring, and some fragments of clothing. And then on further investigation, a severed hand was found buried in the ground near the tree. Ooh. Uh, the body was examined by Professor James Webster, and he established that the skeleton was a female who had been dead for at least 18 months. At uh, the time of death must have been around October 1941. He discovered, a, this is the best, a section of taffeta lodged in her mouth suggesting she had died from asphyxiation and i wrote or from fashion (laughs) in my notes she did she died from the 80s oh georgia (laughs) oh georgia go for it go do it doing it um the measurement of the trunk which the body was placed in uh made him think that she must have been placed there still warm after the killing as she could not have fit in once rigor mortis had taken hold rigor mortis is i'm fascinated by it it's just Oh my god! Because it sets in, but then it goes away, right? I think it goes away after like ten days. But you can—I feel like you can also break it. Oh, with enough force. Listen, oh. everyone, put on the Facebook group whether or not this is 
true or not. Yeah, what do you know about rigor mortis? I, clearly someone knows something. <laughs> That's a good podcast, too, by the way. <laughs> so it's our offshoot podcast, Someone Knows Something About Rigor Mortis. <laughs> um, okay. So the the woman's murder was in the midst of World War II in the UK, which clearly had a lot of action going on. So it hampered the investigation. Um, police could tell from the items found what the woman looked like, but with so many people reported missing during the war, they, they really couldn't tell, like, find out who it was. They did a nationwide search of dental practices, which came up with nothing, which I feel like in 1941, the nationwide search of dental practices was not very thorough. Yeah. You're like calling up on one of those like crank wall phones yeah. of like, you know, yeah. Hey, Strawbridge 39478. Have you seen a, a cap on, on Incisor 3? You know, like, we don't do those here. Yeah. Bye. And it's also a barber shop. I love our, I love our dental. <laughs> hey, we are. <laughs> yeah, they're British people that talk like they're from the Bronx. Perfect. From the from a movie from this, the Bronx. This is good radio. But again, all the just the facts here, you guys. That's all you got. My favorite is the facts and only the facts. This is a real boring podcast. <laughs> um, so people eventually kind of forgot about the woman in the tree until. The graffiti started. Yes. What an ominous fucking line. This is the beginning of Banksy. So, so <laughs> <laughs> someone wrote, who put Lulabelle down the witch elm? Ooh. Uh, in graffiti. And then someone wrote, the Hagley Wood Bella. Then someone wrote, who put Bella in the witch elm? And the graffiti appeared on walls throughout the West Midlands, which is near where it happened, um, seemingly by the same hand, which is a fucking... I love handwriting analysis so much. Me too. Um, it was last painted on the graffiti was last painted onto the side of a 200 year old obelisk, which is like spooky as fuck. Yeah. On the 18th of August, 1999 in Whoa. white paint. That's some, uh, that's some, uh, what was the, the, to that's some toy and be tile shit. Yes, you know that's I mean? right. It just continues on. What the fuck? So let's see. Okay. A couple theories that, uh, the hand buried close by could have been a hand of glory, which I actually talked about recently on slumber party. Uh, it's a dried and pickled hand <laughs> of a man who has been hanged often specified as being the left hand. Or if the man was hanged for murder, the hand that did the deed and they at uh, old European beliefs attributed the great powers to the, to a hand of glory combined with a can they made it the fuck basically they made a fucking hand of someone who was hanged into a candle and so when people would break into someone's house they would bring it with them for good luck oh that's shit. pretty much what it was so it, it was a, a cultist type of thing which is like look well, there's a hand buried nearby what does that mean i feel like the glory part is a bit of a misnomer it's yeah. horrifying it's a it's a disembodied hand the hand of horrifying Turn yeah. into it like they put the wicks on the tip of the fingers. <laughs> like if someone broke into my house with that, I would run. So of course you would get away with it. Take all of my jewels. Uh, bye. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. You got me. Later days. So, um, so I read this part from this is all from like Wikipedia and random like websites. This is from the unredacted. It wasn't until 1953 when journalist Wilford Jones started to write about the old case. Um, that interest was revived um, and he would soon receive the first solid lead in nearly a decade. Wow. This is in 1953. There was a letter signed only Anna offered new details of what had happened to Bella 
According to the letter, Bella, I love this, had been murdered because of her involvement with a Nazi spying operating in the Midlands in the early 1940s. Yes. Hundreds of German spies were captured in Britain during the war and and the Midlands would have been a valuable source of intelligence because of its prevalence of munitions factories. Wow. Really fucking cool. So the journalist... You never think of England as having spies like that. It's like you think of... Because it's an island over by itself. Yeah. How did they get there? Well... This is one oh, of the theories. No, no, no. I, I didn't write this down, but this is one of the theories okay. is that she parachuted in and somehow ended up in the trunk of the tree, which <laughs> I call bullshit on that theory. No, maybe no. someone, maybe she parachuted in and they found her and killed her and put her in the tree. The idea that you would parachute in to be a spy and you would parachute down into it, <laughs> into the a forest, the trunk of a tree yeah. is you're the dumbest, unluckiest spy who's the work. worst at parachuting. Listen, she's in a plane. She grabs, she gets scared. So she grabs a handful of her taffeta, stuffs it in her mouth. <laughs> so she doesn't up, scream too loud. On her way down, hits her arm. Her hand comes off. The force buries it in the, <laughs> in the ground. This is all. Absolutely feasible. It's doable. It's doable. Wait a second. What material? Taffeta is like prom dresses. Taffeta isn't parachutes, I think, right? No. Taffeta, I feel like it's an underskirt material. Oh, okay. okay. Or, or maybe it's a lacy collar. Okay. Like a high, like Victorian lacy collar. It's not like nylon. We're not talking. It's a different no, thing than parachutes. Yeah, that would okay. be cool. I thought I had a theory, but. You know, at the same time, though, these stories are passed down so long that it, someone could have said it's taffeta. And that's stuck. True. Which is the problem with these old crimes is like, they just get told so many times that these things become fact. So I'm going to say that she had parachute nylon stuffed in her mouth. <laughs> Let's change the story Let's to change work it. for us. We're flipping the script. <laughs> um, okay. So then the journalist got a letter from this woman, Anna, claiming Bella had died after getting involved in a World War II Nazi spying. And she said, finish your articles on the witch elm crime by all means. They're interesting to your readers, but you will never solve the mystery. The one person who could give the answer is now beyond the jurisdiction of the earthly courts. That's a great way to say someone's dead. We're now called my favorite beyond the jurisdiction of the earthly courts. God, the affair is cool. I know the affair is closed and involves no witches, black magic, or moonlit rites. Basically, this witch is like, I know what fucking happened. Shit. So, do you think that witch? Did you say witch or bitch? That bitch knows what happened. No, uh, no witches, black magic, or moonlight rites. Like she's saying, it wasn't witchcraft. Oh, because it is in the forest. I know. Creepy. Yeah. And anyway. she's found in a fucking trunk of a tree. Like that's that's some um, some. What was the the show recently with um. American Woody Horror Harrelson? Story? No, Woody Harrelson. Oh, True Detective. That's some True Detective shit right there. Season one, baby. Season one. Fuck season two. <laughs> season two is slop. <sighs> Although we did see Colin um, Farrell at the movie theater the other night. <gasps> and did. I almost told him your performance in True Detective season two was masterful. The only saving grace of that, show, that episode season. And my girl, Rachel McAdams. I do love her. <sighs> no. She just bores me. She just talks like this all the time and she bores me. I know, but she has perfect, like, she always has a good bob. Yeah. She has a great she has, bob. She has a nice tall forehead. I, I'm jealous of she her face. She love a tall forehead. I really do because mine is like a three head. It is the shortest. <laughs> all my bangs are an atrocity. Nothing works. Nothing works. You should shave the front part of your your forehead. <laughs> like, the, the like, a, like an Edwardian. Yep. Yeah. Just get it waxed and That's it'll look like. Idea. I know. Oh my God. I want to barf. Like how bar- how you used to cut your Barbie's hair off in the front <laughs> for bangs. I mean, here's bangs. It's still growing. You know, I used to do 
baby bangs like in the early 90s when I was a big oh, drunk. Like little foofies. I can't tell you how my face looked like a straight up full moon. I looked like the blood moon walking around working at the gap. <laughs> you talk about your photos from when you were younger so much and I've never seen them. I'm dying to see them. I've, I've scrubbed the internet of them. Fuck. <laughs> Please don't scrub my brain of them. Okay. Uh, sorry, sorry. No, this is the best part. <laughs> After subsequent correspondence, Anna revealed herself to be a woman named Una Mossup and told the full, the full story. She said her husband, Jack, worked on a local munitions factory, again, the munitions factory, in the early 1940s and come into some money after meeting a mysterious Dutchman. He later admitted to Una that the Dutchman was a Nazi agent, and uh, Jack had been passing him information about the local indust- industrial sites. Listen, Uh-oh. you asshole. Yeah. This is why we fucking lost the war. No, I'm kidding. We, we actually won the war. <laughs> Good news, Georgia. Hey, guys. I'm totally kidding. Um... <laughs> Let's see. So, uh, which in turn was passed to another agent posing as a cabaret performer at local theaters. The Midlands had been bombarded by the Luftwaffe in the early 40s, and such information would have been invaluable to the Nazis to target their raids when they would have done the most damage to Britain's war effort. One day, Jack met his contact at a pub close to Hagley Wood. He was arguing with the Dutch, with a Dutch woman. This Dutchman was arguing with a Dutch woman. He ordered Jack to drive them both out to the, the, Clint Hills, but the argument had grown extremely violent and the Dutch agent strangled the woman in the car. Fearing for his own life, Jack helped carry the body into the nearby Hagley Woods where the pair buried it in the hollow of an old tree elm. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, that's I mean, it sounds insane, but right. like a reasonable explanation. Also, sorry to say, but it's kind of a good idea to bury a body inside of a tree. Totally. It's like, a, it's like tr- now how they're doing... Uh, they're doing burials when you can be like, I want to be a pod and you can get buried in the woods now. Oh, right. Um, so, but it's against your will. But it's like this only the only difference. <laughs> Listen, stick with me. It's an eco burial. <laughs> right, but you don't have a choice in the matter. Um, this totally makes sense to me. And I was going to say something else and I forgot. So, yeah. I, oh, oh, I feel like there's so many murders that are solved because an ex-girlfriend, a jilted ex ex-lover ex-girlfriend is like hey fyi here's what happened totally i didn't say because i was scared from it which i totally believe like you eventually tell yeah i mean because that guy had a lot to lose if he was like passing info oh, treason then if she said anything yeah he he probably told her i'll kill you if you i mean like yeah she thought he would die she didn't want him to die either she loved him yeah and then he slept with her sister and she was like listen fuck this dude is that the reason why she's no i'm totally (laughs) (laughs) that would be awful okay so una's husband was apparently so traumatized by the brutal murder murder of bella (laughs) that he had a nervous breakdown tormented by horrific visions of a woman's skull in a tree and he was institutionalized in 1941 and Whoa. apparently died later that year. So that sounds totally plausible and feasible. And it sounds like it happened immediately. Like it, he went through yeah. the trauma and then just freaked right. out. It turns out um, nobody knew this, but Nazis are assholes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They should have mentioned that in the 40s. They so that people. America could have gotten involved in that war earlier. Ooh, get in political. <laughs> I said it. You heard me and I said it. It's like everyone from there, that era is dead. And everyone, I don't care that you said it. It's true. <laughs> There's like one 90 year old veteran that's like, how dare, how you? dare you? I came here to listen to a motor podcast. <laughs> Not a rant against <laughs> the Luftwaffe. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that sounds, I like that theory. Mm-hmm. I, again, I like it and it fits very well and it could have changed a lot. And who knows if it's true, but it's a good one. 
Yeah. So yeah, if you guys want to, there's, you can actually, there's actually a good photo of the skull. If you go Ooh. online, it's called the, so this is the Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm or the Hagley Woods Mystery. You can see some cool photos from back then. Every time I watch like British TV, I want to go there because it's such a rich and storied past, but stuff like that, like you don't even think about it aside from the fact that they got the shit bombed out of them during World War II and it was like total chaos and insanity every day. Can you imagine these like these proper British people got the shit bombed out of them and they didn't react like the, the what i love is that it's so british that, it, that whole keep calm carry on where it was just like nobody was allowed to be like can you believe this no. shit or freak out or anything they were all like all right are you ready for tea well even the even the army the british army was like there are these here are these rules that we have to follow and i think that's why we had to step in is that we're like they're there are these rules of war, but the, these Nazis are not following them. No. And you think that the combat is this like old tradition. It's not anymore. But, you know, these proper British people, God bless them. I know. And, and ugh, just just the fucking amount of um, civilians that were just game is awful. It's crazy. It's On both sides. World. I mean, yeah. World War Two. I I will fall into any Me World too. War Two black hole. That whole thing. Anytime it's a people going back. What I really like is when people go back and try to talk to German people, citizens today. Oh my lord! From that era and how defensive and freaked out they get. Yeah. What a what an incredible scar on the history uh, of German people and how totally. terrible they feel and how. It would, it's just, just a strange well, thing. Well, if you ask them, it's not, it wasn't their fault. They weren't, you know, they yeah. weren't part of it. They weren't supporting it. I mean, I totally understand why someone like Adolf Hitler would have looked so, um, appealing in the beginning. Yep. And that was a country that was like on its knees for yeah. years and years and years. Because but. we, we made them do that after World War One. We mm-hmm. spanked them. Yeah. Not that they didn't deserve it. But it's just that thing of like, keep an eye out for somebody that likes a scapegoat. It's usually scapegoats are usually a minority person. Yeah. They can't speak up for themselves. I'm going to say it. What you are not saying. Go Donald ahead. Trump. <laughs> Let's not get Jesus. into it. That motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, no. Right. We just lost thousands and thousands of listeners. Good. Uh, if you, Oh, <laughs> those. I don't want them. Those are the people who come after us. Those are not our 2000 no. Facebook group followers. Please. Are you kidding me? Um, That'd be um, unbelievable. So I just love that one's weird to me because I just love that she was found in a tree. And it's just so fascinating to me. It also feels like that's the kind that in a, you feel like in maybe five years they'll have that solved somehow. I feel like it's one of those ones that that will. That it's solved in that there's an obvious explanation that one yes. that one I just read, but it's too late. It'll never be. And then isn't it weird when you hear about vintage murders and you're like, he's 67 now and he got arrested. And you're like, oh my god, I thought he'd be dead. Yes, he's 67 or whatever. Uh, but that guy, I, I mean, it's such a that's a tough arrow pointing straight to the guy that immediately has a nervous <laughs> breakdown and basically dies. I mean, I kind of feel badly for that guy because. Yeah, what is he going to be like? No Nazi who just killed your like counterpart. Yeah, female. Ca- I'm not going to help you. Right. Of course he is. Of course he is, and now he's stuck. Like he once- can't tell anyone because yeah, because he's being treasonous. He's treasonous, bitch. Guys, do not sell your government secrets. <laughs> Georgia, is there anything scarier than trying to log into an account? 
and it tells you that your password is incorrect. And then you try again and it's the same thing. And after a few more failed attempts, big red letters appear saying you've been locked out and your account is suspended. That happens to me all the time, Karen. But scary password stories can have happy endings if you give 1Password a try. 1Password is a user-friendly password management system. It's trusted by consumers, families, small businesses, and large-scale enterprises. If you're tired of being the family member everyone texts for a streaming login or the unofficial keeper of all those shared work credentials, it's time for you to pass the torch to 1Password. They allow for secure login sharing. With 1Password, you can securely store more than just passwords, autofill everything from usernames to payments details and personal info. They'll also notify you about potential data breaches. 1Password saves everyone time. And in many cases, that save time equals money saved. The accounting department will thank you. Don't just listen to us. I mean, you should, but don't just do that. The Associated Press uses 1Password to secure their sensitive information in high-risk areas. Right now, our listeners can get a two-week free trial at onepasswordcom MFM. That's two free weeks at one, as in the number one, password.com mfm onepasswordcom mfm Goodbye. Whoa, what a great story. So my pick for Karen is from episode 45, and it is The Tale of Lord Lucan. Uh, I think I picked both of these because I really enjoy the mystery elements to them. But this one in particular has so many incredible details. And to hear Karen tell it is just as you just get sucked into the narrative of what could possibly have happened, even though we all kind of know what happened. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's it's just a really important um, an important example of, of what white guys can get away with, I think. <laughs> so here we have from episode 45, the story of Lord Lucan. So I have, because of watching the killing season and it, how heavy it is and how uh, it feels like everyone in the world is a serial killer by the time <laughs> you're halfway through with it, oh, which no. in they- some ways is a fun feeling. It's fun, isn't it? it? I like it. And yet you're still alive. Um, <laughs> we made it, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so so I switched over um, as a palate cleanser. I started watching The Crown, which is a wonderful Netflix series. British procedural? Um, it sounds British. <laughs> is it British? It's the story of Queen Elizabeth. I figured. God, I'm so smart. The newest one. Um, yeah. It, it's, so in a way, it is kind of a British procedural. Wait, it's the newest show about the about About... Like how she got be, became the queen and okay. what her life was like. She's privately. like a badass. She's a total badass. Yeah. There's parts in it. I want the Crown TV show to come out with their own book on how to be politely assertive. Yeah, because that's her. And also, I want her, them to come out with the color of lipstick that she's wearing because <gasps> it's this perfect shade of pinkish red Ooh. that would actually look good. I can't wear red because my teeth are as yellow as little <laughs> corn nibbles. You're very fair. I'm very fair with red in my skin, so red mm. lipstick on me makes me look like I have been smoking crack in the alley. I look like a fucking, um, what do they call them? Uh, a rockabilly and it's obnoxious. Oh, yeah. Well, this is like this muted brownish pink lipstick. I oh. bet it's, I bet they make it for her. I, that's not even a thing yeah. you can fucking buy. Do you know what they, I bet they, well, we have a fucking <laughs> lip gloss that was made for us too that that girl sent us. That's right. Remember? So the queen, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not that fucking special. But I want the queens Why because it, <laughs> Because we've started doing coke before. Um, Back to being 14. So so I blended into 
uh, this very British kind of fancy regal area. Yeah, like controlled. Yes, and uh, aristocratic, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, like if if I was in that time, I would be like truly the dishwasher in the bottom part of the basement. Like, oh, wait, governor, that's <laughs> Karen. Do you need a candlestick? And I wouldn't, but with an Irish accent, which for some reason I can't do right now. So I decided that my murder is going to be that of the infamous infamous story of Lord Lucan. Have you ever heard of him? I don't think so. Okay, this one's pretty good because it involves British aristocracy and a disappearance. Ooh, <laughs> you know I love disappearances. All right, so, um, and also I was going to do this story after, remember when we did Harmontown and then we met that British couple outside on the street yes. and they were on their honeymoon. Oh my God, so sweet they were so sweet and they were just getting tattoos yes. and they were having like this amazing honeymoon and they'd come to see us and they didn't even ask for a photo which is like they didn't ask for, they you know americans were, do that yeah they were didn't want a photo they kind of want us to go away a little bit but they were like <laughs> hi we came to see you. we came from england to yeah. see you which meant the world to me we didn't get their names no nope. but hi shout out if you're still listening sweet angels T- pip pip that wasn't a fucking pander to the audience when I said sweet baby angels. Just no, not. that was natural. That's that natural. Felt, it felt very natural. Thank y'all. Um, so I, I was thinking of doing Lord Luke and after we met them of like, hey, this is pr- shout out to you. But that mm-hmm. was what, six months ago or oh, something. Yeah. Um, so I brought this Word document back out and st- began to fill it out again. So here's the story of this guy. Um, he it was born John Bingham. <laughs> uh and uh, he was born on December 18th, 1934 to an aristocratic family in Marleybone, which is the funniest name for it's a neighborhood, I guess, in London. Oh, you're going to get I don't care what you say next. You're going to get the correction about like what it pronunciation, is. the it's area, not London. It's, it's, a t- it's actually in Wales. It's not a neighborhood. It's a fucking it's fucking in New York. Square and it's, a town. <laughs> it's fucking in New York. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, this whole I'm I once again am flying in the face of uh of in logic Man. and just trying to be British once again. Aim for the fucking nose. Aim for the stars. Aim for that button nose. <laughs> so this um so John Bingham during World War II when he was a boy, he was evacuated out of uh London, out of Marleybone. <laughs> They're gonna be like, it's pronounced Millibin. Yeah, totally. Um <laughs> He was evacuated to Wales and then uh, to Canada. Um, and he got to live with his rich, like, friends of family. That sounds nice. Relatives, yeah, who are, like, crazy rich. But then when he came back to England when the war was over, he was sent to Eton College. Now, I was thinking about this in my head, but I didn't look look it up. I think over there, Eton is, like, a boarding school that's, like, grammar in high school yeah, it's not have, necessarily a college like we think of they college. have like finishing school right where like you pass your and again where you put a book on your head save it if you want to fucking email <laughs> text us that were tweet us that we're wrong finish it's like a someone in england tell us what eat no no is. i don't care no, okay i do care no i okay. don't tell me but i think it's um like a finishing school no, I'm going to keep saying that till you agree with me. This time you said it like you'd been thinking yeah. about it and now you've decided it's a yeah. finishing school. Yeah. I think it's like high school and perhaps like a boarding school. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Anyhow. Finally, we agree. <laughs> so when he was there, he supplemented uh, his pocket money with uh, he was a bookie. Oh, and so that's cool, um, right? 
Yeah, I think it's very cool. I do too. He had a secret bank account. Oh my God. And uh, he made money. As a kid? As a kid. Uh, my grandfather was a bookie. For real? Yeah. Barber. No. The barbershop front. Barber quote, quote unquote. Bookie. Nice. Anyway, sorry. Um, so this kid, he would leave the school grounds, go to horse races, take bets. And he was like the school bookie. That's Badass. so cool. Love it. Well, the bad part, the uncool part is that he turned out to be a terrible compulsive gambler. <laughs> oh, wait. Later on. <laughs> Take that back. But when he's a kid, that's cute. Yeah. So he got the nickname Lucky Lucan um, after winning 26,000 pounds at a, the card game Chemin de Feu in Le, Tour, no. Le Touquet. None of that's real. None of it is meaningful to me in any way. <laughs> but he won He won a game, a bunch of pounds. And so that's what made him think, I'm, I'm lucky and I should be doing this all right. the time. Um, so <laughs> so uh, when he got out of school, he was in the army for a little bit. And then he um, started a job as a merchant banker. Um, but he had uh, very expensive tastes because he was still an, an aristocrat. His parents were very, um, very, what do you call that? I was going to say staunch, but that's from Grey Gardens. It's, um, um like they what were, are you? they didn't spend a lot of money. They, oh. they were like religious what? and, uh, um, <laughs> What's the what's when, the word when you try to I'm like making a gesture on my chest? Yeah, like frugal, frugal, frugal. There we go. This gesture worked for me. How long did that fucking take? <laughs> if this podcast is two hours long, it's because we're trying to remember words that neither who, of us can. who could enjoy this. I don't know. It's madness. Even Stephen is like, can you <laughs> get your fucking shit together? Okay, so he had a very expensive taste because he was still an aristocrat at the end of the day. And he was raised, you know, by rich people in North America. Um, so he, his, he had taste for the best Russian vodka. He liked to race power boats. Um, and then in from this lift of, at in Wikipedia, donate to Wikipedia, by the way, if only just $3. Oh, can you donate to Wikipedia? Yeah. Yeah. It's Is that all, a thing that they're, yeah, they're, they're actually having like, they're kind of like public television right now. Oh, I didn't know that. And they're trying to get people to, to give them money um, because they just, they need to stick around. I they have so many help. questions. I mean, I love Wikipedia, but I won't ask them right now. If you click on there right now, the thing will come up to say, please give us $3. Okay. And then we'll do it. That's yeah. I mean, it seems fair for all the shit they give oh me. Oh my God. The, the hours <laughs> I spent when I had the desk job looking at unsolved murders yeah. and serial killers yeah. and ugh. love it. So anyway, this guy basically, he's living the life. He likes the best of all things. I was just going to say at the end of this sentence, they were like, he had the best tastes. He loved the best. Um, you know, he raced boats. He, he loved Russian vodka and smart cars, which I think Wait. in, in England probably means smart, like cool cars, oh, but here smart. means tiny toy looking cars that are the stupidest looking cars you could drive. I just time traveled too because those didn't exist. Right. Like, how cool would that be if you were just like... They're like, he invented the smart car. Yeah. All right, anyway. Um, he was also very charismatic. He was six foot two with a quote from Wikipedia, a luxuriant mustache. Oh, like Stevens. Um, and he was once considered to play the role of James Bond. Oh, shit. So he's that... You see a picture of him on Wikipedia. He's pretty Is cute. He hot as fuck? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he's very British mm -hmm. aristocratic looking. Kind of like... Don't piss pointy me off. nose. I won't. 
It's high class. You know it's what I mean? It's a British thing. Pointy nose and kind of like, he looks like he'd be like, very good. Hey, man, my, hus- my husband is the spitting image of Prince William. So yeah, that's right. what am I going to? That's exactly Clearly right. Clearly, I'm into British dudes. Yeah, no complaints. Um, also, at one point, he was ranked among the top 10, uh, the world's top 10 backgammon players so there you have it kind of cool badass yeah talk about sex i mean i don't know what backgammon is exactly but i bet it's hard (laughs) it's you know what it is it's like chess for drunk people is what it is (laughs) (laughs) all right it still sounds like i don't think i like chess for drunk people to me is like bingo (laughs) connect four is chess. that's right for drunk people yeah bingo um Okay, so he meets his wife, Veronica Duncan, at a golf club function, and they get married on November 20th, 1963. And uh, when they get married, so Lord Lucan's finances when he was a young man and he was gambling so much, it got a little iffy in there because he was just like going for it. And mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm in a boat race. I have to have an Aston Martin. You know, he was like mm-hmm. living the life and spending all that money. Mm-hmm. So when he marries Veronica Duncan... Um, his father gives him what was called a marriage settlement. Mm. So he gets a big chunk of money to buy a house, to prepare for having kids like this whole. So he's basically kind of like up in, up in the, in the black. Again. Sexist. <laughs> Got it. Um, two months after he gets married, <gasps> I, I called him old man, Lucan, uh, <laughs> old man, Lucan dies of a stroke. And so John Bingham, uh, inherits uh, 250,000 pounds and his father's titles, which are <gasps> Earl of Lucan, Baron Lucan of Castlebar, Baron Lucan of Melcombe, Lucan and Baronet Bingham of Castlebar. I don't know what any of this means. It's meaningless. So cue the mean emails. <laughs> it's not meaningless. It's super meaningless. Don't shoot foxes, right, everybody? <laughs> uh, okay. So... The problem is that he has a very serious gambling problem. So at first it was hot and cute and he's James Bond. And after a while, it's like, put the fucking backgammon down. What are you doing? Um, And he's spending, still spending money like an aristocrat. So he's like, you know, he's, he's got a a open account at Savile Row, Taylor's, you know what I mean? Like people are making bespoke clothing for him. Bespoke. Yeah. Look at you, Karen. I know. I want to be rich really bad. Do you? Really bad. Really? Not just rich though. I want to like be. Well, I want to be like Lord Lucan. I want to be an aristocrat. What would you do? <sighs> what would you like? I I guess I would just drink and smoke cigarettes all day. Because you can be, you can just do it at that point. Because yeah, you can you can kind of yeah you can just kind of well it's the same thing you can do if you were basically a bum. Remember that intervention where the woman had like inherited so much money that she was like, why should I not be an alcoholic? And then she, they were going to take her to a rehab. That was like a 14 hour, like a five hour flight, but she insisted on getting a limo because she wanted to bring her cats with her. <laughs> so she put her cats in the limo. No! Oh my God, it was a mess. Holy shit. <laughs> she took a cat road trip. Yeah. She like put cat boxes in the limo. Like she's me. If I just had a <laughs> she shit going for it. And like, no one could say anything to her because like she wasn't gonna lose anything because she, she was did it work did she get sober i don't know if there's maybe there's hopefully there's a follow-up i don't oh, know man it's been i haven't i stopped watching that because it's real depressing it turns out she ate all those cats <laughs> she got really drunk and then she got hungry and she ate those cats oh it was probably i mean sorry fucking no nope. right field loving it um left field there's there's downside to being an addict i think we all know this <laughs> we've tried to tell you over and over yeah Okay, so, um, so 
he and his wife have three kids, George and Camilla and a third one that for some reason isn't on this list. And some of, you know, the youngest kid never matters. Am I wrong? Yeah, seriously. I'm living that life. That's why we're murder podcasters. Yeah, that's that's why we're doing what we do. So Veronica is struggling because she also has three kids in this very short amount of time, of course. Ugh. So she's struggling with postnatal depression. Honey. Um, and Lord Lucan takes her for treatment at a psychiatric clinic. She refused to be admitted, but she did agree to home visits from a psychiatrist and taking a course of antidepressants. So she's trying to take care of it, but she won't like, you know, really go take a, br- a full break or whatever. She's like, I can handle this. Well, then that combined with the pressures of maintaining their finances and his, I mean, he, I read this thing. I, I didn't include it, but there was a thing of like how he would spend his days. Oh my God. It's so hilarious. Cause he would like get up and eat breakfast and then go to his gaming club and just gamble all, all afternoon. He did was gamble. Yeah. And, and then you know, he, he was probably drinking too. Of course. And then he would come home and, and get dressed and then put on like his tuxedo to reeking go out. of cigarettes probably oh yeah Ugh. and you can't wash that off after no. a while and then he just went out to drink and eat and smoke and gamble more that was just that's all he did all the time i would have that's not postnatal depression that's fucking depression yeah that she had because she, she was like what the fuck and this is not what i fucking so went to finishing school for <laughs> so basically in the Two weeks after a very strained family Christmas in 1972, Lord Luke had moved out. And then they get into this bitter custody battle. And um, the justice awards custody to Veronica. Um, Divorce like didn't happen back then. Yeah, it wasn't good. And I'm sure for aristocrats. <laughs> and you, you could push him off the couch. Elvis is ripping up Karen's notes. My Sorry. precious writing. Um, okay. okay, so... Uh, so she is awarded custody of the three kids, and that's all he wanted. And so why he, would he want just to fuck with her, right? He, well, no, no, no. He really, I'm sure, really loved his children, and it was very important to him. But also, it, I think it was part of this thing that he didn't think she was a fit mother, knowing that she had mm. postnatal um, depression. I, I think he was partly worried, and then also partly he was an addict and needed to control things. Maybe mm. I don't know. There's something going on. He gets awarded like every other weekend visit and he gets really obsessive about it. So he starts spying on her to prove she's an unfit mother. Um, He's recording their phone conversations. Um, He becomes fixated on her and what's happening. He also is his drinking gets really bad and his gambling. He goes crazy with the gambling and all of his friends are like he's in a downward spiral. Um, And then all of a sudden... um, the week of uh, November 7th in 1974, he seems to like suddenly be pull it together. Hmm. And um, he, there's a couple store firsthand stories of people who um, like had dinner with him and he, they tried to talk to him about what's going on with the kids and he changes the topic to politics. And so they're like, Oh, maybe he's rounded the corner. Maybe yeah. it's out of his system. Yeah. Um, so on the evening of November 7th, 1974, um, he had a bunch of plans with people that he didn't, he just didn't show up. Uh, and that night, the children's nanny, Sandra Rivet, 
puts the younger children to bed. And at about 8.55, she asks Veronica if, she, if she'd like a cup of tea. And um, so she heads downstairs to the basement kitchen. So there, that's, that's a fucking sweet-ass <laughs> mansion. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go down to the, to the maid's kitchen. Yeah. I'm not going to use your nice high-class kitchen to yeah. make tea. So she goes downstairs to the basement kitchen to make Veronica some tea. And as she enters the room, she is bludgeoned to death with a lead pipe, a piece of bandaged lead pipe. And her killer places her body in a canvas mail sack. Um, So meanwhile, upstairs, Lady Lucan wonders what's delaying the nanny. So she walks down the first floor stairs to see what's happened. Mm -hmm. And she calls um, from, from the top part of the stairs, she calls down to rivet um, and to see what's going on. And the guy comes up and attacks her with the lead pipe as well. Oh my God. And um, she starts screaming for her life. The attacker tells her to shut up. And that's when lady Lucan knows she tells the cops later that she knows it's her husband. So she survives. This guy's got like a mask on or something. Uh, the, I think the lights were out. Like oh, it, was, okay. it was dark. So she's kind of calling down. She doesn't know what's going on. And yeah. then this guy comes up and she thinks she's just getting attacked. And then it, she realizes it's her husband, according to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get into this fight. She bites his fingers. Um, she, he throws her face down in the carpet <gasps> and she man, she manages to turn around and squeeze his testicles. Good girl. Release <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> Stephen just, Stephen just really felt that. Yeah. Um, and causing him to release his grip on her throat and give up the fight. Uh, she asks where Rivet is and Lucan was at first evasive, then eventually admits that he just killed her. Fuck. So, what they believe is that he thinks he thought it was Veronica walking into the basement kitchen. Oh, shit. He was trying to kill his wife and oh. he accidentally killed the nanny. So well, this is according to Lady right. Lucan. So Lady Lucan um, is terrified. She tells him she'll help him escape if he would just. What? Re- well, she's trying to get. Okay. okay so okay, she okay. says, I'll help you escape. You just have to stay here for a couple days and hide out. And allow my injuries to heal because she's been hit with the lead pipe and oh everything. Oh my god! So, um, Lucan, uh, she walks upstairs. Oh, I'm sorry, Lord Lucan. The the oldest daughter um, wakes up, so he goes to put her to bed, and she and then the, the wife Veronica goes in to the bedroom, lays down. She's bleeding, and he puts down towels for her and like don't get don't get the bedding stained Weird. with blood. Weird. So he asks her, "Does she have any barbiturates?" He goes into the bathroom to get a towel and supposedly clean her face, and that's when Lady Lucan realizes that. Um, he won't be able to hear her if he's in the bathroom. Yeah. And so she runs out of the house. With her kids still there though? Yeah. But but she I think she knew that he didn't yeah. want yeah. that it it was about her and right. that the attack was about her. Right. Because she also did report earlier that he had um once hit her with a cane and once tried to push her down the stairs. So there he had gotten physical with her before. But he I think she trusted that he wasn't going to harm their children. Yeah. That's crazy. That's what it seemed like. So she runs out of the house and she runs to a nearby public house called the Plumber's Arms. Oh, (laughs) let's, when we're in England, let's go get a drink there. We have to go to a pub called the Plumber's Arms. Yeah. So what, like big, 
hairy arms hairy, but like with a tattoo ta- what, what kind of bulldog tattoo is that yeah a bulldog would be good yeah or um an anchor of course of course an anchor or maybe a, just a just a queen elizabeth's face i mean she's a madass everybody loves her everyone loves okay yeah. okay so the police she they call the police the police go to the house but Meanwhile, Lord Lucan has called his own mother and tells her of a terrible catastrophe that's happened at his wife's home. Um, he uh, tells his mother, you have to come here and get the children. Then he drives a borrowed car to his friend's house in Uck- Uckfield, East Sussex. <laughs> um and then hours later, he leaves that property, leaves the car there, and he's never seen again and has never <gasps> no. been seen since. No. Swear to God. No. So the, that car was found. He's ab- the one missing? Yes. He's the Fuck. one missing. He disappeared. He disappeared. So. No. This is. I was not expecting that. Yeah. James Bond is out and about. Dude. He. The car was found abandoned in New Haven and the interior was stained with blood uh, and the trunk had a piece boot for those of boot. our friends in England um, had a piece of bandaged lead pipe similar to the one found <gasps> at the crime scene. So there's one that that a nanny was killed with that was left at the crime scene. And there's another one that's in this borrowed car. And we don't know what. Well, why was all the blood in the car? And we don't know what that lead. He was covered in blood. Okay. And I don't know if there were two. It, there's no yeah. explanation. It's just, I'm not Holy sure. Holy shit. So, uh, but then also, um, he left a letter to the owner of the car that said, my dear Michael. So he basically <laughs> borrows this car from this guy. He's like, hey, can I borrow your car for a while? And then just gets blood all in it, abandons it. And He's crazy. And he says, my dear Michael, I have had a traumatic night of unbelievable coincidence. Oh, However, have you? I won't bore you with anything or involve you except to say that when you come across my children, which I hope you will, please tell them that you knew me and that I, all I cared about was them. The fact that a crooked solicitor and a rotten psychiatrist destroyed me between them will be of no importance to the children. I gave Bill Shand Kid, which is his brother-in-law, mm-hmm. um, I gave Bill Shand Kid an account of what actually happened, but... Judging by my last effort in court, no one, yet alone a 67-year-old judge, would believe, and I no longer care, except that my children should be protected. Yours ever, John. So he's basically saying whatever happened at the house was some weird coincidence Mm. that he happened upon. Mm -hmm. His excuse is that, and I think there was a, it was in a different letter, that he walked into the house and his wife was being attacked by an intruder. Which the wife is like, no, I'll tell you exactly how it happened, like, step by step. Yeah. And then also you can trace it all back to the car and the blood yeah. and everything yeah. else. Point the fucking way. So they put out a warrant for his arrest uh, a couple days later. And in his absence, the inquest into Rivet's death named him as her murderer, which was the last time ever that Britain's coroner's court was ever allowed to do that. So they were basically like, this guy did it. Oh, which you can't do. a trial. Yeah. 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 Um. So a thorough search of New Haven Downs was judged impossible. I don't know if that's what's New Haven Downs. <laughs> what's uh, a thorough search? <laughs> what's anything in this fucking <laughs> what world? Is life. Um, I pictured New Haven Downs to be just full of a bunch of brambles. Charming as fuck. It's like the Moors, but oh brambly. Brambles is everywhere. Brambles and scones or scones. Scones. A partial search was made using tracker dogs 
Although all that was found were the skeletal remains of a judge who had disappeared years earlier. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. What? Yes. Yes. So they, when they do search New Haven Downs, this impossible to search area, they find... Unrelated. Unrelated. Clearly. They find skeletal remains of a judge. All right. Maybe, maybe how about once a year you search New yeah. Haven Downs? Get some fucking puppies out there. Get, they love doing it. Give them a runaround. It's fun for them. Find a judge. Um, police diverged search the harbor so basically they went everywhere and tried to find this yeah. guy this guy's more important than a fucking judge <laughs> that's right clearly he's a way bigger deal yeah he is among the top 10 backgammon players <laughs> in the world you must, have to find him must find him they don't find so basically they can't find anything they used uh infrared photography i don't they don't i don't see where they how. smart cars they <laughs> smartphones um so a warrant for lucan's arrest to answer charges of murdering sandra rivet and attempting to murder his wife was issued on tuesday uh november 12th 1974 and descriptions of his parent appearance um were issued to interpol so it could be international Mm -hmm. um And of course, all across the UK. So apparently it's this, it's since that time been a great British pastime Mm. to theorize where Lord Lucan is and people love saying they saw him places. (gasps) So the reports have been coming in pretty consistently year after year saying I saw Lord Lucan here or there. And so... Some of the places uh, they have reported him seeing him was as a hippie dropout in Goa, which I don't know. No. I, I don't know where that is. Doubt. Uh, where he was known, they said he was known there as Jungle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> as you do. <laughs> the best nickname of all time. Is it? <laughs> um, they said he was about backpacking on Mount Etna. Someone said they saw him working on a sheep station in the Australian outback. Yeah. Um, Those all sound like things people who run away from life would do. Yeah, to get as far away as possible. Yeah, who like trying to not have an identity anymore. Right, which would make sense. Yeah. Um, but John Aspinall, who was the owner of the Claremont Gaming Club, which is the place he used to go like around lunchtime every mm-hmm. single day, said, um, told the news, I find it difficult to imagine him in Brazil or Haiti as a fugitive. I don't think he has the capacity to adapt. Um, which is <laughs> kind of rough. There was also a rumor Aspinall owned a private zoo. And so there was a rumor that he was cut up and fed to <gasps> the tigers at that zoo. And he, Aspinall, when told that rumor, responded, My tigers are only fed the choicest cuts. Do you really think they're going to eat stringy old Lucky? Oh <laughs> my god and the most plausible theory is that he drowned himself in the channel yeah that's what most people think yeah but here's this is just an interesting um another coincidental thing um 13 years later so when they had um that nanny uh the sandra rivet was their nanny but they had had a nanny right before um her and her name was christabel uh, I can't find her last name. Um, Bell. <laughs> Krista Bell Bell. Uh, you don't see it. <clears throat> but her name is Christabel something or other. And turns out she was married to an economist named Nicholas Boyce. And um, on October 10th, 1985, Nicholas Boyce was sent to prison for dismembering his wife and dumping her pieces of her body around London. So it was her. The, the nanny 
one before this oh one she that got, got cut up also was murdered by her um husband. fancy husband uh so fancy husbands are just fucking running amok um which i thought was oh and also they convicted him of manslaughter but not murder and he was sentenced to six years in jail oh that's no big deal no big just just kill her and throw her arms and legs around the city and then yeah so um cannot that's the story oh sorry it was christabel 32 was a former governess of the children to lord of lord lucan who vanished without a trace after another nanny was battered to death at his home do you think he did it what killed lucan or whatever the fuck killed the second nanny the first nanny oh hell yes wait both nannies no 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 the second one got killed by her husband. Oh, okay. Later. Okay. That was later on. 13 years later, got the it. second nanny gets killed in what is a coincidence, but is super creepy because okay. what the fuck is going on? I thought it was the first. Okay. Yeah, no. But the first, I'm sure the way everything oh, yeah. adds up. It's just basically, where did he go after? Did he immediately kill himself or did he actually go? He's D.B. Cooper. Yeah. Right? Did he shave that that luxuriant mustache off and go yeah. live somewhere for a while? You could go anywhere you want back then. And also with all his money. Oh, bye. And charming and, you know, Miss Dapper. He probably went to like Monte Carlo or something. That's what I was thinking too. How old is he now? How old he, would he uh, be? Would he be dead? He's dead now. He was proclaimed to be dead. No, no, uh, no. But like how old would he be? Like in his... The article that I said where they, they proclaimed him dead... I think he, they said he was like would have been eighty one or eighty two. That's livable, especially if you're living the fucking backgammon high life in fucking Monte Carlo. <laughs> backgammon doesn't that take that much out of you? No. Yeah. No. And if you're just pickled with gin, you can live for a really long time. I bet you he's still alive. I mean, it'd be pretty cool. We should make a rule that people have to confess stuff on their death, like on their deathbed. They have to confess things. Yeah. Like you're not. Yeah. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Just to solve a couple mysteries. Yeah, like, stop, don't take shit to your grave. Yeah. Ugh, you're being a selfish dick. So that's my good times. Uh, that was amazing. High class murder mystery from N- England. Never heard that one. Please let us know all the mistakes from that one. <laughs> as soon as you can. Or England. don't. Or go, go, uh, you know, every time you get mad at this podcast, go give $3 to Wikipedia. <laughs> We're going to solve all of Wikipedia's problems. Wikipedia's going to be like... They're going to be like, thank you. We got an influx of thousands and thousands (laughs) of dollars. So much money. (laughs) Ah, I love that story. Just privilege on full display. Thank you so much for listening. Again, you can find me uh, as the co-host of... I Saw What You Did podcast here on the Exactly Right Network uh, with Millie DeChirico. I just wrote a book. It's called The Ugly Cry. It's out now. And don't forget to stay sexy and don't get murdered. Elvis, do you want a cookie?